Hallelujah. We're here in Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse number one, and we're actually looking at a hopeless situation. I don't know about you. You probably can't relate to that, but a lot of times people, normal people, get into hopeless situations sometimes, and and, and you may not characterize it that way, but it's those kinds of situations where it just doesn't seem like there's any light at the end of the tunnel, and, and you kind of feel like no matter what you do and no matter how hard you try, no matter what route you take, you get the same results every time. You know, it's one of those situations that hopelessness will begin to take you down a road that the devil wants you on. Hopelessness will take you into a place where you no longer believe and expect God's grace and mercy in your life, where you begin to believe that God loves others and not you, and you begin to see uh, things through a, 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 a prism that the devil wants you to look at things through, and you will begin to stop expecting and believing God in your life. Now watch what happens here in Acts chapter 12, beginning in verse number 1. Now we, we start out here, it says, Now about the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now that's, you know, the, the sons of thunder. And this is one of them, he's martyred right here in verse number 2. And Herod the king, he, he wanted to vex the church, meaning the church was a thorn in his side because the church would preach Jesus. The church was not out there trying to raise up new politicians. The church wasn't out there signing people up for, you know, this, that, or the other. The church, when it was, when it was in, when it came into existence, when the Holy Spirit began to lift up these men and women, they were preaching Jesus Christ everywhere that they went, on street corners, in homes, in synagogues, wherever they could find a crowd of people, wherever they could find somebody, they were telling them that Jesus bought them on the cross, that Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, and that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that was the message that they preached, and it became a thorn in the side of King Herod. Now, one of the problems that we see in the church world today is the only place that we're a thorn in somebody's side is is people that try to live a holy life. A lot of times, if you try to live holy and you try to live righteous, the church will come against you more than the world will. But I want you to know that you need to make a determination within yourself to be all that God called you to be and let the chips fall where they may. If people follow you, they follow you. If they're against you, they're against you. But I want you to know that if God's for you, no one can be against you. And God will take you where he wants you to go. And God will make you to be the person he wants you to be. You don't need to be an imitator of men. You need to be an imitator of Christ. Christ is the one that bought you. Christ is the one that saved you. He's the one that baptizes you with the Spirit of God. And he's the one that we're called to imitate, not men. So men may say what they want to say, and in our generation, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Before the Lord comes back, we're going to see churches compromised left and right. You're going to have to determine within yourself that this Bible, this Bible is the guide for your life, that the Holy Ghost is the one that's going to lead you and guide you through these dark days, that God is going to be your source. You're not going to lean on men. You're not going to lean on your own understanding. You're going to trust in the name of the Lord God Almighty and the more that this the more that the time the generation that we live in the more that this proceeds the harder that's going to be 
You're going to have to get hard-headed about it. You're going to have to get dogmatic about it. You're going to, they tell preachers all the time, we got to have the, the, the hide of a rhinoceros and the, and the heart of a teddy bear. Well, you know what? You're going to have to have that too. You're going to have to get thick skin for what's coming. It's going to take thick skin. But here you see that the church, whenever it was born by the Holy Ghost, it started to get martyred at the very beginning. It started to get martyred at the very beginning and it's still getting martyred today. The church was born in tribulation. It's still in tribulation. It's going to continue to be in tribulation, but it's going to get taken out before the great tribulation. Because the great tribulation is the one that God pours out his wrath. As the book of Revelation says it's the wrath of the Lamb in Revelation 5. Now, here, watch this, though. So James was killed. He was killed. And hallelujah, that wasn't the end of his life. How many of you know that's when life actually began for James? Amen. He, he knew Jesus here on earth, and then he got to see him in glory. Hallelujah. And so it says in verse 3, and because he saw, this is Herod, he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. That would be before Passover. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, what was he going to bring him forth to do? He was going to kill him. Peter's, Peter's on death row. Peter's on death row. And I don't know about you, but whenever you get on death row and, and you know, and you see somebody in Rome on death row, there's really not a lot of hope. There's really not a lot of hope. You know, and you, you might say, well, you don't understand the circumstance I'm in. You, you, you don't understand how hard the situation that I'm in. Well, think about Peter. Peter here's on death row. And they know how to kill people. This is not where you get you know, TV tray dinners and TV and air conditioning and a cushion bed and all this kind of stuff. You get your medication delivered to you. That's not how that was back then. Death row is death row. It means you're going to die and they don't really care what happens to you. No mercy there. What happens? What happens in verse 5? It says, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. You know what he had? He had a praying church. He had a praying church. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things, and you probably see it, but I want you to notice a couple of things. The church didn't go march. The church didn't lead a parade down to the courthouse. The, the, the church didn't try to get somebody voted in to vote Herod out so that they could get their guy in, so they get this guy out. The church didn't go march on City Hill. The church didn't try to raise up a resistance army. The church went down to the altar. They got down on their knees. They sought the Lord. They put their face on that floor, and they sought God, and they cried out to God. And you know what happened? God heard them. God heard him. Now, I want you to see something. Now, Peter here is in a position where he is bound. He's in a position here where he's in chains. He's locked up. There's nothing he can do to help himself. If anybody's going to help him, it's got to be God. And he had a church that knew not to go marching, but to go interceding. 
Now, there's a lot of things that I want to pull out of this, but number one, the one thing I want you to see is that when, when, when Peter was in a helpless situation, there was still hope. He couldn't help himself, but he had God. He couldn't help himself, but he had God. And you know what? You could be in a situation. Now, we're going to spiritualize this message. Now, see, Peter was in a position where he was in chains. You could be in a position today where you're in the bondage of the devil's chains. You could be in bondage to lies that the enemy has sown over your life. You could be in bondage allowing the enemy to take your past and to stamp it over your forehead instead of being the woman or the man that God has called you to be new in Christ. All things pass away. All things made new in Jesus' name. Amen? Instead of being who God called you to be, you allow the devil to hang your past over your head and you walk in the lies of your past instead of the promise of your future. And God has called you to let go of who you were and grab hold of who God made you to be and allow God to do what He can do in you. Now God's going to send help for Peter, but I want you to know God instructed Peter to walk. God woke him up. He was in prison and the, whole, and, the, and the angel of the Lord came down there and nudged him in the side. He said, get up. Get up. How many of you, if the Lord nudged you and told you to get up, would you get up? I mean, he had, let me put it like this. He had to put feet to the Lord's promise. He had to put his hands to the plow. So many times the Lord Jesus, whenever He walked in His first advent, He would heal somebody and He would say, go show yourself to the priest. Go dip in the pool of Siloam. Go do this. Go do that. How many of you, take off that. Go over here. How many of you know that if they wouldn't have obeyed, if they wouldn't have put feet to the promise, if they wouldn't have put feet to the faith, then they wouldn't have received the blessing that God had for them. And here Peter had an opportunity to, to get delivered out of prison. He had a church praying for him. He didn't know that. They didn't have Facebook back then. Oh, look, my church is praying for me. He didn't have that. But he had a church that had his back. He had a church family that had his back. And you know what? You may be in a situation where you have a loved one who's imprisoned by the devil. You may have a loved one who is bound in fetters and chains. You may have a loved one who is bound by addiction. You may have a loved one who is bound by lies and tormented. But here you see a precious truth. That if you're a child of God, you can go to your king and you can call out on behalf of someone else and you can intercede for them. They may not be interceding for themselves. For all we know, Peter could have been counting the ducks on the wall. He could have been counting the mice on the floor. He could have been doing any number of things. But he had a church that was interceding for him whether he wanted it or not. Whether he wanted it or not, he had somebody going to the throne for him. And you know what? You may know someone in your life that needs a touch from God. And if, you know, one of my pastors once told us, you see a need, you feel the need. Don't come up to me and tell me the toilet paper holder's empty. Go find the toilet paper and put it on there. If you see a need, go fill it. That's the Holy Spirit showing you to do something. 
And you know what? You, you might see somebody in change. You might see some, you might say, oh, poor sister so and so. She just still keeps, you know, she, she never gonna get it. She never gonna let go and get the Holy Ghost. Well, why don't you intercede for her? Why don't you get down on your face for her? Maybe there's something holding her back that needs to get broken. Maybe you need to go to the throne for her and intercede for her, fast for her, pray for her, and cry out to God, and watch what God won't do. Watch what God won't do for your sons and your daughters and your grandchildren. Watch what God won't do for your wife or your husband or your mom or your dad. Watch what God won't do if you'll just take it upon yourself to do what that church did and say, I'm not going to allow Peter to go and die in prison without me crying out to God for him. When was the last time that we said, you know what, they're going through a hard time, but come hell or high water, I'm going to the throne, and I'm going to cry out to God, and I'm going to intercede for them. They may not make it, but it's not going to be because of a lack of prayer. God may have other plans for them, but I've got something, and I'm going to bring it to the Lord, and I know that if it's according to His will, it's going to be done when I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. He said, if I pray in His name, it'll be done. So I can bring my children to Him. I can bring my spouse to Him. I can bring my issues. I can bring those people that give me problems. I can bring those people that cause me tears and cause me pain. I can bring them to the throne and they can't do anything about it. They can't do it. They can't stop it. They can't. Now here, I just want you to see one more time the church's role, the church's responsibility, and the church's right. The church's role, the church's responsibility, and the church's right. Now that's you. If you're a child of God, that's you. You see somebody in prison. You see somebody bound by the devil. You see somebody believing the lies and being tormented, being addicted, being afflicted, being filled with demons, whatever the case is. You see it, you have the right, the responsibility, and the role to get on your face and intercede for them and cry out to God for them. And listen, watch the chains fall. Watch the chains fall. And Peter, Peter here, he's just sleeping. He's sleeping. I want you to know, this is so powerful. He didn't know anything was going on. He was minding his own business, watching the the mice crawl on the floor. And here comes the angel of the Lord. Here comes the angel of the Lord. Somebody's been praying for you, Peter. I'm here to let you out. I'm here to let you out. You know, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that I'm here because I had a praying grandma. My grandma prayed for me when there, you know, people would talk to me and I would just give them that glazed over look. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the prayer hit. There was nothing I could do about it. Oh, God's touch. God's touch. Do you remember the time when the Holy Spirit nudged you? When the Holy Spirit told you, wake up. Wake up. Come on now. You remember, you were about your own business. You were carrying on doing this, that, and the other. And somehow the Holy Spirit, just ever so slightly, ever so gently, just touched you and said, come on. Come on. It's time to get out of here. I got the keys. 
I got the keys. It's time to go. Amen? You know that God has the keys to your prison walls? Do you know that God has the keys to the prison holding your loved one? Do you know that God has the keys that's holding the church back today? You Look, we, we can whine and complain about all the issues in the church. Neon lights and strobe lights and smoke machines and mirrors and false gospels and all this and all that. We can whine and moan. But if we would just get on our face and cry out to God, God will do a work in the church and he'll clear out what needs to be cleared out and he'll solidify what needs to get solidified. And we need to do that. But we need to do that in the lives of our family. We need to do that in our own lives. We need to do that for those that we know and care about. Maybe people that are backslidden, that are away from God. And instead of just saying, oh, sister so-and-so, I wish that she'd just get over that. I wish she'd just do this. Sister so-and-so needs to do this, and sister so-and-so needs to do that. Well, maybe she does, but, but we need to do something too. The church here interceded. Interceded. Intercession is the, is the role, the right, and the responsibility of the church not to go march on city here. You, you, you know what? The, the government's going to do what the government does, but they can't stop God. We do more. We do way more by interceding than by petitioning. You want to go do a 5K march? Go do a 5K march, but it don't impress God. God is moved when his people pray. God is moved when his people cry out to him. When when you pray, it's the same thing when you fast. When you pray, what you're doing is you're letting go of every earthly resource. You're saying no to manipulation. You're saying no to innuendo. You're saying no to every, every lever that you could press naturally. You're saying no to all those things and you're going to God and you're saying, Lord, I need that, I need that lever from heaven. This is a spiritual issue and I'm coming at it spiritually. It's the same thing as when you fast. When you fast, you're saying no to the flesh. Your, your body naturally needs food. Without it, it'll die. And whenever you fast, what you're doing is you're telling God, I need you to move more than I need natural food. I need a, I need a touch in the spirit realm more than my body needs natural food. Fasting biblically has nothing to do with getting off Facebook for two days or not watching Will of Fortune. Fasting biblically is not eating food and eating the Word of God. Now, this church, it says in verse number 5, prayer was made without ceasing. How many of you know that means the prayer meeting didn't stop? They might have tagged in and tagged out, but prayer went on. Come on now. Prayer was made without ceasing. In other words, they had some spiritual stamina. They didn't pray a a quick little five-minute cute prayer and go on about their business of watching the the masters on TV and watching some golf or some football. They didn't go on about their business of going here and cutting the grass and going there and washing the car for the 18th time that week. They, They prayed without ceasing means that it was a burden. And they weren't going to stop until the burden was lifted. And that's the kind of prayer that God's looking for without ceasing. Who who and what 
would you dare pray for without ceasing? Ask yourself that. Because that's the kind of prayer that God's looking for in the church. And you might say today, you might say today, Pastor, I'm the one that needs prayer. I'm the one barely holding on. I'm the one that feels like I'm in prison. Well, good. You came to the right church because we're going to pray for you. You, you, you in the right family. You know what? God is looking for you. Because God was looking to set Peter free. All he needed was a church to pray and he was going to move. Watch what happens right here. It says in, in, um, in verse number 6, it says, And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. That's pretty hopeless. I don't know about you, but there's no slipping out of that. And you know, whenever the devil lies to you and tells you that you're not going to make it, that you're not who, he, he, you know, you're not this and you're not that, he does the same thing. He puts a mirage in front of you. These, these keepers of the prison, all this stuff was a mirage. And I, let me tell you this, every obstacle that's in front of you is a mirage if God is for you. There's nothing There's nothing that is impossible for those that believe. I don't know how big the mountain is, but I know God's bigger. Your your mountain might be bigger than mine. Okay, we can compare mountains and we can go through the war stories and we can, you know, whine and all this kind of stuff. But the reality is we all have mountains. And the greater reality is God's bigger than all of our mountains. He either is or he's not choose well i'm going to share something with you in a little bit in order to turn around a hopeless situation you have to turn to faith faith and hope are are inseparable you will never be able to have faith without hope you'll never be able to hope without faith they are inseparable they are brothers and sisters they are kin related however you want to say it but they're inseparable and in order for god to move in our lives we've got to move by faith Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. God's looking for some diligent folks to live by faith, to know in the one that they trust. Watch what happens. It says, they were, Peter here's in a hopeless situation. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. And a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. Can I tell you something? I remember that feeling. I remember that feeling. I I, I remember that feeling like it was yesterday. I remember being enchained. I remember being in fetters. I remember being stuck in my sin. I remember being in darkness. And I remember when the light shined. And I remember when I got the nudge from the Holy Ghost. And I remember when God moved. And I looked around and there was no more chains. They were gone. And they've not come back in Jesus' name to the glory of God. Now, Peter here, I just want you to notice something. Just just before we move on, I want you to notice something. The church is praying and he's sleeping. Can I tell you something? People can't resist your prayers. You don't know who they are. Yeah, but 
You know who God is, right? And, and, and Peter here is sleeping. He's not praying. He's not interceding. He's not fasting. He's not doing anything. He's sleeping in a hopeless situation. In other words, he's just kind of like there, just stuck. And anybody that's ever been stuck can tell you when you get stuck, you just, you're just there. You're, you're just existing. And you kind of get that picture. He's just existing. He's just there. And he's sleeping. And then the angel of the Lord comes and wakes him up. I call this the smelling sauce of the Holy Ghost. You ever been in a situation where you say, what am I doing here? Why am I here? This is not where I belong. This is not where God's called me to be. This is not how I'm supposed to live. I remember after I got saved, I was, you know, I was, I was saved out of a life of alcohol. Uh, and whenever I got saved, I remember going back to a bar room because I didn't know where else to go. And I, I was, the addiction was broken, but I went there and I didn't know why I was there. And the bartender said, do you want a drink? And I said, no. And he said, well, what are you doing here? And I said, I don't know. This is just where I went. Now I'm into something new. And he said, well, you don't belong here, do you? And I said, no, I don't. That was smelling sauce from the Holy Ghost. That was the Lord waking me up, telling me, look, look around. There's no chains on you anymore. The chains are broken. The devil, his reach has been loosed off of your life. You've been set free. Smell. Taste and see that God is good. Look and see that the chains are broken. Look. And, and Peter here, God told him to get up. God told him to get up and go. And you know what? This is what I, the, one of the points I wanted to make here. Is that when the Lord tells you to get up and go, go. What would have happened to Moses whenever God called him and said, go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to, to let my people go? What if he would have said, okay, I'll pray for him, Lord? How many times do we do that? Instead of getting involved in a situation, going and doing what God's called us to do. Come on. Now, work, work for God can never substitute for communion with God. You can't do that. You, you can't work where communion is supposed to be. Communion is one of those things that is, it is, it is essential to your vitality, your spiritual strength. However, you also have to put legs to your faith. You also have to go dip in the pool of Siloam. You also have to take off the leper's clothes. You also have to go show yourself to the priest. You also have to rise up when God calls you and tells you to get on your feet and come to Him. You get on your feet and you come to Him. There has to be legs associated with our faith. And here Peter, although he wasn't the one praying, he was the one that got woken up in the middle of the night and he went. Now, what is it about this that I want you to see? Well, let's move on down to verse number, let's move on down to verse number 13. Now, the angel of the Lord brought Peter through the whole town. And can I just tell you this? You, you don't have to know which way to go. You just have to know whose voice to follow. Come on. God didn't give him a printout sheet of everywhere he was going to take him. He led him step by step. Turn. Go. 
turn again, go. He led him step by step. Peter didn't know all the directions of where he was going. He just knew the voice of the one leading him. And can I tell you, the voice of the one leading you is a good shepherd. He said that my sheep know my voice. The, the, the shepherd, the shepherd is the one leading us. Jesus, he's the one leading us. And he's a good shepherd. So Peter here is following this voice and he comes up to the house of John Mark. It says in verse 13, Peter knocked at the door of the gate. A damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. (laughs) How many of you have been praying for somebody for so long, you wouldn't believe it if you saw it? Now, this wasn't a long process, but it was a dramatic process. This was not a long, but it was dramatic. And you know, sometimes we get vested in people's lives or people get vested in ours and you pray, but you're praying basically a miracle. Lord, I know that this is way far from natural reality. I know that this is way out of the box, Lord. But I'm praying for his deliverance. I'm praying, God, that he not die. I'm praying, God, that you bring him home. And it's just praying for a miracle. Do you know that God still works miracles? He's a miracle-working God. He doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God never changes. You know what changes? Our confidence in God. Because the devil's over here going... He don't work for you. He don't work for you. It's not going to help you. You need to stop hoping. You know, the devil is a liar. He's been a liar since the beginning. He's a liar today and he always will be a liar until he meets his eternal destiny in the lake of fire. He will continue to lie to you to stop you from believing and trusting and hoping in God. The devil's going to go to the lake of fire. Don't let him take you with him. You don't have to believe me, but believe the Word of God, okay? This is what you've got to hold on to. This is what we have from God. This is God-breathed, it's God-inspired, and God preserved it, and it is written by holy men as as the Holy Ghost moved upon them. This is the Word of God. And how you know somebody comes from God is when they preach what God said. And here... Here's an important part I want you to see because the devil's a liar. You're going to have to make a choice whether you believe what God said or whether you believe hath God said. It was the serpent in the garden that told Eve, hath God said. And it's the devil that tells you, hath God said. But I'm here to tell you God has said. You can see it right there that when a church prays, when the people of God pray, God moves. And Peter wasn't doing anything about it, but his chains were broken off. His fetters were released. The prison doors flung open. He was allowed to exit. He was allowed to go through the middle of the night. No one saw him. And here he is. And the church, the church is about to get the good news. And they're astonished, right? This is in verse number 15. And they said to her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, it is his angel. 
But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. The, the chickens came home to roost. The, the, the prayer, the prayer of faith saved and delivered Peter. And I want to point out just a couple of things before I move on where I really want to take you. Peter didn't get offended when they didn't open the door. Well, if they really loved me, they would have opened the door by now. I've been out there knocking for five minutes. Well, sometimes people ain't right. Sometimes even godly folks have issues sometimes. But if you'll be diligent and not get offended and don't let offense sink your boat, just stay diligent, do what you're supposed to do, look what happened. And then they, then they answered the door and everybody was astonished. Everybody, I believe they sang a song that night. I don't believe they sang it like this. Victory in Jesus. I don't believe that they were golf clapping victory in Jesus. I think they were shouting, hallelujah. Worthy is our God. He saved and delivered our brother. And you know, it, it's exciting when you see prayer begin to get answered. Amen. Amen. We've been praying on our evangelism team. and we, Lord, give us one. Lord, give us one. Lord, open the door so we can pray with this one. Lord, open the door and let us pray. God confirms. He answers. He hears and it builds faith. It builds excitement. You see God beginning to move. And I guarantee you they didn't golf clap for Peter. I guarantee you they sang. They worshiped. They glorified God. Now, what does that have to do with us? A lot. A lot. Turn, turn with me, if you will, to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul is dealing with spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is real. You're in it, whether you know it or not. It's all around you, could be in you. But everybody deals with spiritual warfare. Peter could have got off in his feelings. The church could have lost hope. Peter could have got offended. The church could have got tired. But everybody did what they were supposed to do. And I want you to notice something right here. This, this is a, this is, these verses about spiritual warfare, Paul wrote, it says in verse 3 of chapter 10, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, why is that important? Because when Peter was put in prison, they didn't go and march on City Hall. They didn't start a petition to recall Herod. They didn't wear t-shirts that say, hey, I hate Herod. Vote him out. They didn't put bumper stickers on their car trashing Herod. You know why? Because we as God's children, we don't weigh our issues in the court of men. We weigh our issues in the court of heaven. And they leapfrogged over men. They leapfrogged over tradition, over opinions, over politicians. They leapfrogged over money, buyouts. They leapfrogged over all that stuff. And they went to the throne of heaven. And they petitioned God himself on behalf of Peter. And God moved on behalf of Peter. Warfare is real, but it's not in the flesh. 
You can cut off a thief's hands, but he's still got in his heart the desire. You can pluck out the eyes of an adulterer or somebody bound by pornography. You can take their eyeballs out, but it's still in the heart. It's not the flesh. It is the spirit where the war exists. And we as the church of the living God must remember that because the one thing the devil wants you to do is not fight in the spirit. He wants you to gossip. He wants you to get offended. He wants you to get mad. He wants you to get bitter. He wants you to give up. He wants you to stop in hopelessness. He wants you to not even think that that person's possible about getting saved. He just wants you to walk away from all things spiritual and get off in the carnal. Get off in the natural. Stay in the place where everybody else is. Because the place where the church can go, where chains are broken, the, ch- the place where the church can go, where men and women are set free, the place where the church can go and see God deliver souls that are bound by iniquity, the place the church can go and see demons tremble at the name of Jesus and run and hide is at the feet of Jesus, at the mention of His name. Whenever we pray in the name of Jesus and we go before God, that's when mountains move. Not before, not after, not when we wish, but when we pray. When we pray in the name of Jesus. He said in Matthew 28 that all power in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And then he sent and commissioned the church to not do anything until it was empowered by that same power. The power over all demons. The power over hell. The power over sickness. The power over depression. The power over darkness. God gave that power to the church through the ministry of the Holy Ghost. It is our role, our responsibility, and our right to intercede and to fight this spiritual battle. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Sometimes you might have to be like Stuart Smalley back then. Look in the mirror, tell yourself, we don't war in the flesh. Come on, stop warring in the flesh. You can pour out all the alcohol you want, but until God delivers you from alcohol, you're going to try to go back to it. You can throw away the cigarettes, but until God throws away the power that it has over you, you're going to go back to it. It has to be a touch from God that sets you free, not a touch from man. You can tie your hands behind your back all you want, but God is the one that changes you, that makes you new, that breaks that stronghold off. God is the one that sets you free, that brings light in the darkness. God is the one who brings deliverance. Don't come by tying up hands. So it says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Casting down imaginations. That's what I wanted to touch on. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thought. See, the the, the Lord put that in there for a reason. Because the thought, that's how the devil holds you down. That's how the devil destroys your marriage. That's how the devil keeps you from praying for your children. That's how the devil keeps you in hopelessness. That's how the devil keeps you in darkness. That's how he keeps the the gig going. 
by planting thoughts in your head, by telling you it's not going to happen for you, it's not worth it, it's not going to happen. Imaginations. Now, the devil can make you believe and think crazy stuff. You look in the world today, people have begun to think a lot of crazy stuff. Some people think we live in a matrix. That's crazy. God made us. God made us. You, you, you can believe what YouTube says or you can believe what God says. Choice, God gives us choice. He gives us free will. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. The imaginations that the devil plants in your life, you have to take responsibility over those things. If you're going to be the man or woman God called you to be, you have to take authority over those imaginations. You have to know the Word of God. You have to know the Spirit of God. And you have to say, you know what? That's not from God. And you have to say, I rebuke and I renounce that ungodly thought in the name of Jesus. I didn't think it, I didn't wish it, I don't hope it, and I don't want it. And you've got to rebuke that thing and renounce it in Jesus' name. And when you do, light will come. Heaviness will leave. The Spirit of God will come upon you. Once you begin to take authority over those vain imaginations, those false imaginations, those imaginations that take away from God, once you begin to renounce those things and rebuke those things in Jesus' name, the heaviness will lift. Hope will begin to arise. The light will begin to come. What happens whenever the church begins to trust the Lord? God moves. God moves. Now, I want you to just notice this, this casting down. Uh, one of the things that I believe that the church had to battle here was hopelessness. I just, this is a, a, an imagination that I believe that the devil tried to stop them from praying. I believe the devil probably tried to tell them it's hopeless to pray. When somebody, you know, somebody said, oh man, did you hear about Peter? Yeah, I heard about Peter. He's in the same holding cell James was? Yep, he's in the same holding cell James was. He's going to die like James died. Yeah, he's going to die like James died. And then some dear old saint said, why don't we pray for him? Somebody started it. They didn't all in unison, all 500 of them at the same time, say, let's pray. Somebody started the fire. Somebody in that church was a fire starter. Somebody in that church was a fire starter. They were a faith breeder. Somebody in that church was stirred up and moved by the Spirit of the Lord. Somebody saw hopelessness and knew that wasn't right. Somebody thought the same thought everybody else did, but said... You know what? That's not from God. Let's pray. Let's intercede. Let's cry out to God. And let's watch God deliver Peter. And somebody might have said, well, yeah, we can pray a cute little prayer. I hope that he enjoys his time. No, 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 no. We're not going to pray that he gets three TV tray dinners. We're praying for deliverance. Don't you know where he's at? I know where he's at, but I know who my God is. I know where our nation is, but I know who my God is. I know the state of the church today, but I know who the God of the church is. You may know your spouse. You may know your child. You may know your loved one. You may know where they're at, but you know the God. You know the God over them. 
You know the God over the situation. And you see, they had a fire starter off in that church, and whenever everybody was just complaining and talking about the weather and just, oh, I hope Peter, you know, just dies quickly, somebody went to God. And somebody cried out, and the situation was changed. The situation was changed. And, and, and the part I want you to see is that hopelessness is one of the imaginations that the devil will bring to you. He'll make you think that it's hopeless to pray for healing. He'll make you think that it's hopeless to pray for deliverance. He'll make you think that it's hopeless to pray for the salvation of this wayward one. He'll make you think that it's hopeless to pray for your mom or your dad or your brother. He'll make you think that it is hopeless to do what God is calling you to do. You have to take authority over those thoughts, rebuke those things, renounce those things, and do what God has called you to do. And then you'll see God move. Then you'll see Peter knocking on your door. How many of you want Peter knocking on your door? Not the real Peter. He's in glory. I'm talking about the one in whom you're praying for. The one you're praying for. The one you're fasting for. The one you're crying out to God for. And don't give me this, well, I'm fine. I'm fine. No, we're not in that territory. Church got to come out of that boat. It's time to get out of the us four and no more. It's time to get out of the four walls mentality. It's time to get out of the I'm all right, let them do what they need to do mentality. It's time to become the church of the living God, considering one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another, fasting for one another, lifting one another up, and crying out to God for one another. And watch what God does. Watch what God does. Now we're going to close in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 8. I want to close right here. But this part you've got to get. This part you've got to get. You see, the devil wants you to believe that God may work for others, but he won't work for you. You might have heard that recently. I've seen others get healed, but he won't heal me. I've seen others get set free, but he won't set me free. I've seen him save the brother, sister, somebody else, but not mine. I mean, you know, we've got a hard case. You don't know the issues. Well, I can tell you right now, I alluded to it earlier, but I thank God so much this day that my grandmother didn't think that way. I had someone praying for me. Who are we praying for? Who are we praying for? 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 8, Paul said this. He said, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, that's his first incarnation, uh, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even under bonds, But the word of God is not bound. There's a lot I want to pull out of this, but I just want to quickly just say this. Number one, you might, if you live for God right, you're probably going to go against the grain of the world and get the the heat from the world. You're going to suffer as an evildoer when you stand for what is right. When you don't go along with the filth of the world, they will cast stones at you. Let them. 
God is the one protecting you. God is the one upholding you. God is the one that is going to take vengeance up for you. You don't have to take vengeance for yourself. You don't have to defend yourself. God is the one who fights for us. God is the one who defends us. God is the one who goes before us. It is His angels that encamp around us. It is God, the Spirit of the Lord, who fights for us. And, and, and so Paul wasn't moved by that. He was like, I, I suffer, but big deal. I've got a God who fights for me. Let them launch the rocks. Let the devil do what he does. But if God be for you, who can be against you? See, when, when, when Peter was at his worst moment, when he denied Christ, Jesus said that the devil has come to sift you as wheat. But he said, take heart, I've prayed for you. See, Jesus did what we're talking about there in Acts 12. When, when Peter denied Christ, his faith was shook. I mean, he denied Jesus. Three times. Not once, not twice, three times. He denied Jesus. He knew Him, and He denied Him. And, and, and Jesus characterized it as the devil sifting Him as wheat, meaning utter destruction. You ever felt that? I felt the brink of that. I felt the brink of that. Yeah, I mean, the devil is a destroyer. He's a liar, but he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He don't play with you like a mouse plays with a, a little cotton ball. He destroys. He kills. He's out to devour. And, 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 and Jesus' answer was not, I'm going to give you an exemption from this. You don't have to go through this. Here's, here's, here's a way to go around this battle. He said, no, you're going through. You're going through this. You know, there's some things that you'll only learn by going through. When, when, the, when the lights go out and it's dark and the demons are after you and the chains are all about you, but you hear that still small voice saying, Peter, follow me. And you see, God's calling you to follow Him. And as you hear that still small voice, as you hear that nudge from the Holy Spirit, and you follow Him, He'll lead you around this corner, around that corner, through the iron gate that you thought you'd never get out, through in, in between the guards who weren't going to let you go. He'll guide you through every twist, every turn. He'll take you everywhere you need to go if you'll follow if you'll follow. And so, Paul here, he said that he suffered as an evildoer, but it didn't move him. He said, even under bonds. How many of you know, you preach right, you're probably going to go to prison in this next season. It's already happening in England and in Canada. Australia, forget about it. But if you preach what's right, if you hold to what's true, you might have the government or the world come against you. Amen. Settle it. Stand for God. And, and, and so he wasn't moved by that. He suffered as an evildoer. He even got put in jail. But notice his response. Notice his response. But the word of God is not bound. You know what? They can put us in prison. They can cut your tongue out. They can, hold, they can hold you. They can lock the doors of the church. 
They can keep you from doing everything under the sun, but you know what? The Word of God is not bound. You know what that means? That means that if you'll, if you'll make a determination, no matter where you're at, you could be in prison or you could be in a palace. You, 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 you could be surrounded by demons or in a church of saints, but no matter where you're at, you do what you're supposed to do. You go before God, you cry out to God to see this mountain moved, to see these chains broken, to see these people set free, and the Word of God is not bound. The Word of God went slipped right between those guards, through the iron gate, around every corner, down to the chains, and set Peter free. Peter was bound, but God wasn't. And when his church interceded for him, he got delivered. Can I tell you this? Somebody around you is bound. But the Word of God isn't. Somebody around you has chains on their life. Somebody around you is plagued by demons right now. Somebody around you is, is listening to the vain imagination of hopelessness. They're listening to every thought that comes between their ears that the devil sends, and they are bound right now in chains and fetters. But the Word of God is not bound. And if you'll cry out to God, God will set you free. If you'll cry out to God for them, God will set them free. If you'll ask God for light, He'll bring light. If you ask God for deliverance, He'll bring deliverance. He's still a healer. He's still a deliverer. He's still a Savior. He still baptizes in the Holy Ghost. He still sets us free. And He still works today. The same as yesterday. Because the Bible says God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you'll come to Him today, He'll set you free today. If you'll come on behalf of someone else, I believe He'll begin to work in their life right now. I believe when that church began to pray, the, the Spirit of God that's not bound went behind closed doors and set people free.